It's the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Sean Del Grand. And we've got over 800 brand new Mazdas with outstanding incentives, like low monthly lease payments and low APR financing. Yep, it's just a great time to buy. So don't miss the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Financing on approval of credit. Hey, what's up everyone? Happy Thursday and welcome to the buildup here on the Sharks Audio Network as we get you ready for Sharks Hockey this evening, 7.30 from SAP Center as they host Minnesota in what will be the 27th game of the year. Let's look big picture before we go any further. The San Jose Sharks enter the day 14, 11, and 1, 29 points in the season in fifth place in the Pacific Division. One point back of fourth place Vegas, who have won three in a row. Sharks are three points back of Edmonton, who have lost three in a row. The Sharks are four points back of second place Anaheim and six points back of first place Calgary, who the Sharks did defeat on Tuesday night in a rather pleasing come-from-behind victory. Without any further delay, we are now going to bring in Shalana Goldman of NHL.com. CG, what's going on? How are you doing? All right, we are now joined on the build-up here on the Sharks Audio Network by Shalana Goldman of NHL.com. CG, what's going on? How are you doing? This is so nice to talk to you right now because you and I talk during the intermission of every single game, <laughs> and now we finally get to do it for fans to hear. Oh, I know. And I'm sure that uh, we will easily match the uh, the brilliant back and forth that we always have during those uh, almost 20 minutes we get in between each period. You know, Shalina, I always wonder w- after each win the Sharks have, whether or not it's going to be the one that gets them going. Um, and I've thought that maybe, you know, one of the ones on that road trip was going to be the one that set them off, but then they kind of lost the game against the Rangers and then Columbus. And they come back on Tuesday night and they get that awesome come from behind win against Calgary. And I feel like, well, maybe this is going to be the one that gets them rolling. But, you know, A, they have a stiff challenge in Minnesota tonight who's been playing some great hockey. And then B, it's just, you know, the the inconsistency of the Sharks has been the relative consistency up to this point of the year. No, it that's absolutely, I mean, I could not agree with that more. And inconsistency is a word that Bob Boogner uses a lot. You see a game like they played on Tuesday against Calgary. And that game reminded me a lot of the very first game that they played this year against Mm -hmm. the Winnipeg Jets, where they got into a hole, but they were able to rally and they were able to tighten up during that game and then inevitably win. And so you see that and you think, oh, wow, this team is never completely out of a game. This team can rally back from anything. And then they'll get a couple games under their belt and they'll win and they'll look really good. Um, But then you have a game like the game against New York where it it just wasn't clicking. And then another one against Columbus where, yeah, they put a bunch of goals up there, but it, it, they, it just, it not, they were also giving up a lot. And I think that's something that they didn't see. It's just even inconsistency during games, you'll see them not get off to a good start and then push really hard in the third period. Um, and then nothing happens. Mm-hmm. Now, getting that win that they did against Calgary on Tuesday was huge to start off this homestand. That's a really tough team that could have put them away. They, I mean, when they were down 3-1, uh, the Flames could have easily have made that, you know, 4-1, 5-1. Oh, for, I mean, and at that point, I thought it was over. Johnny, uh, Johnny Gaudreau was saying that after the game that they had it in their head that they were going to go up 4-1 or even 5-1 and close it out. And that was in the second period. Um, but Eric Carlson's goal coming out of, you know, coming out of the penalty box was huge and that really fueled them. And, 
and, and, you know, and got them going. And so you do want it. You do hope that they can see that and be like, okay, let's ride that wave. Any player will tell you that momentum doesn't carry over between games, but to an extent it really does. And they'll need that against this Minnesota team. Minnesota is going for their eighth straight win. They've been playing lights out, great hockey. They're, they're coming off of a 4-1 win over Edmonton where they didn't let Con McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl score a goal. Um, their, uh, Cam Talbot is looked great in that their defense, Minnesota has a really, really deep defense that can shut down opposing offenses and can score goals. And they're getting Jared Spurgeon back who missed eight games because he had a lower body injury mm -hmm. and he has 14 points lifetime against the Sharks. So you really do want, you, you really do hope that the Sharks can take what they did coming back against a tough Calgary team and put that up against a tough a tough Minnesota team. You know, it's interesting to watch how they have had these good performances followed up by bad performances. And I often chalk that up to the fact that, you know, there's been so much put on working on their identity. And I think that until they're at a point where they no longer have to actively think about their identity to where it becomes more subconscious as opposed to in the consciousness of what they're trying to do as a team, like until it becomes their natural state, I think we are going to see that inconsistency. And I also think that that's part of what is impacting their offense, even though they did have a nice output on Tuesday night. I think that so much of their mental game goes to being that identity, you know, block shots, keep things to the outside, defense first. While they're learning that, the offensive side of the game is missing out, and that's why we see the, the lack of carryover from one game to the next. I, I could be totally wrong, but that's just that's that's my take on it for the time being. It's interesting that, that you brought up them having to mentally, you know, constantly think about establishing their identity. After the loss against Toronto, uh, Logan Couture had said, we went into this game saying we wanted to establish our game. We wanted to establish our identity and not let them, you know, establish the tone. But that didn't happen. It was, you know, you know, more or less what he said. And I think that's incredibly true. I do mm -hmm. think, I think they are in the process. I don't think they're, I think in previous seasons, the Sharks didn't quite have their identity established. I think they have a really good blueprint right now. And games where they do play well, and they can play a game like Tuesday where they can come from behind. Um, and that's the type of hockey that they want to play. But to what you just said, it's they're still in the process of having to think about it all the time. And that I think that can take away from getting out there and setting the tone early and playing great hockey. If you have to keep thinking about it, I think that limits you to to an, you know, to a point. What do you think about the offense overall? Because we know that they don't have a lot of great scoring depth right now. And they have been um, on the lower siding, lower side of things when in terms of output but i also feel like they are still learning especially with the power play we heard uh cogliano talk about it um right before he got back out on the ice against columbus and i think he said we need to get it into our heads that whether it's the power player overall we need to be a volume shooting team and i, I think uh, i mean i agree with him i think you just need to ask questions and make something happen and it seemed like they were a little bit more aggressive on the power play at least on tuesday night whereas over the road trip they were really tentative and it seemed like it took them like 35, 45 seconds on each power play to really try and develop something. Yeah. It's the, they'll get onto the power play. And even actually before they scored um, on Tuesday, when they're on the man advantage, it does seem like they're still kind of feeling things out. They don't go out there on the power play and instantly, you know, establish that force and establish that they're going to score. 
and I, I think that really limits them. In past seasons, we've it's always been, oh, well, oh, well, you know, they're passing too much. And we're still seeing that. And there are guys who have played together for so long. There are guys who score at even strength together so well. Something about the power play, it's I think ten, I think tentative is a good word for it, but it's 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 almost weird. It's almost like they're playing with each other for the first time. Mm-hmm. And it, for a team that's trying to establish an identity, that's not a great look. Um, so I do think it was it was huge that they got those two power play goals the other night. So again, you know, we we're talking about momentum and that carrying over, but I, I mean that 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 says a lot to them. You know, still having trouble establishing their identity is that if they don't look sure of themselves, the other team's going to pounce on them for it. What do you think of the uh, the fact that they were better on the power play when Eklund was still here? I d- I was thinking about that. Um, it's you know I. I, I will say this, and I've talked about this with a couple of people. William Eklund did have to be reassigned. He did have to go back to his, you know, to be a team in Sweden. He needed to, he still has a little bit to go. And if he had stayed here for too long, I think uh, he would have regressed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was important. But I, I did like the element that he brought to the power play when he was here. I mean, you know, he, you know, he, you know, he wasn't scoring goals, but he, I, I did like, he added that he added that je ne sais quoi to that unit that I thought it, it kind of helped push the bigger guys to do more, and so I, I I have noticed that if he had stayed here, would the power play have stayed as good as it was? I don't necessarily think so because the team's dealing with so many other things. Um, but yeah, I I did notice that too that it started to not. <laughs> do quite as well after he left it's a, it's an easy uh, correlation to make but yeah i mean i think you're right i think the the reassignment was necessary but i it's i think overall it's indicative of the lack of um playmakers that they have out there because they have some really strong aspects like you know if you put carlson and burns out there i mean that's that's huge for any power play unit um but i you know obviously i think that the more the better um you know and i also look at you know kevin lebank in terms of the over overall offense he has been um, you know, disappointing. That's why he was a healthy scratch the other night. And I, I, you know, I look at Kevin LeBanc and I think that, man, there's a lot of potential there. Do you have any takes on why it's, it hasn't been more properly utilized or not even properly utilized, why he hasn't been able to find more success? You know, I've covered Kevin the entire time he's been up here. You kind of see the same thing with him season in and season out. He's got a great shot. He's got great speed. A lot of the inconsistency comes from the fact that he is prone to making mistakes. Mm-hmm. When he makes, once he makes one, it seems like he makes three. But I've, I love talking to him. He's, you know, he's, he, he gives you a ton of insight and he'll be critical of his own game, but it's, it's really interesting. I think part, I think since, you know, the, even if it's just a small mistake, that's enough to kind of derail him. And he starts yeah. heading in the opposite direction. Part of his game and part of what makes him good is that he does play a little wild and a little loose. And so you wouldn't want him to lose that part of his playing identity. But at the same time, you have to wonder, okay, if he cleans things up a little bit and isn't taking goofy penalties, <laughs> would that would, would that help his overall game? Tomas Hurdle's broken out over the last two games, four goals, the hat trick on Tuesday night. That one was a surprising one to me because he's Tomas Hurdle. When he's healthy, he's consistent. And B, he also is in a contract year. So to see him have a cold stretch like that, it was I was a little shocked by it. I mean, I expected him to not have anything like that, but maybe, you know, this is the rectification now and he's going to go on a tear. 
it was interesting because earlier in the season, he had a couple of games where you didn't notice him as much. And so mm-hmm. it's almost like he's had one and a half, maybe two and a half spots during this season where he's gone a bit cold. Um, it is interesting because it's a contract year. And of course, every time we try to ask him about it, he says, I'm not, fo- I'm not focusing on that. I'm focusing on playing. I want to help the team win. Um, you know, after a game like he had on Tuesday, now you expect him to really get on a roll and just put the puck in the back of the net. You know, every single game we were, we were up in the press box when he had two goals on Tuesday mm-hmm. and, you know, just hoping he would maybe get the empty net hat trick. And it's like, oh my gosh, do, you know, pull that, you know, New York Rangers fourth goal, you know, shoot between the legs type of thing. Cause you almost <laughs> expect him to do that every time he gets on a goal streak for him, for as inconsistent as so many guys on this team are he is one you can maybe even bet on that once he has one good game he'll string two or three together it would be nice for that offense to have him as the the consistent contributor because you know burns he got a goal against columbus but he's been a little bit cold as of late logan couture even kind of self-deprecatingly said he was nice or happy to get a goal that wasn't an empty netter i mean that's that's the thing is that you i can't figure out what the missing piece is for the sharks offense because it does it does feel like you've got some good names there, but again, it comes back to that overall talk of consistency, which brings you into the identity conversation. It's it's interesting trying to figure it all out right now. I think one of the things um, is that yeah, you have all these brilliant goal scorers, you have all you know, and you have all this talent, but we haven't seen even when they've won, even when they started off the season with you know several wins in a row we haven't seen a game where you've seen contributions from all four lines. And I think that's a big thing that they need to figure out if they want to establish this identity. Um, You don't see, you very rarely see, Oh yeah. You know, your fourth line is scoring, but also your second line is scoring. You don't, Mm -hmm. you don't typically see that. Or you have a game where the young guys are scoring, but also your big guns are scoring. You don't see that. That's a mix that I think is missing. It is great that different people can step up on different nights but when you look at the teams around the league who are stringing even more wins together and are, and are finding more success, those are the teams where you have that, you have more of that forward, de- forward depth. And, you know, and even when it comes to the defense, you know, ha- you know, you have Brent Burns on this defense, you have Eric Carlson on this defense and, um, and Carlson's been better this season, but, you know, yeah. Burns, as you said, has, has been a bit cold and I, you, you need to see regular production every night, I think. And I think that's when something where, again, it's great that they can get different guys chipping in every night, but if they want to be more successful, they need to you know, be rolling those four lines more. Is it surprising to you the way the Pacific has responded? Kings are over are at 500, 10, 10, and four, you know, Anaheim is in second place with 33 points. The Sharks are in the conversation and only one point back of Vegas for fourth and overall, you know, three points back at Edmonton for third. I mean, I think people expected, you know, LA and San Jose and Anaheim to be down there with Seattle. I think people expected Vancouver to be in the top three and not Anaheim Vegas to be number one, not Calgary. I mean, it's, I don't think this is the Pacific people were expecting when they were, you know, doing their prognostications in in the preseason. I will wholeheartedly hardly say that I was one of those people that did not see that (laughs) happening. Um, I mean, I, I mean, how the two Southern California teams, I'm, I'm blown away. I didn't, I thought the two of them were going to be, you know, bottom of the barrel, like they have been the last few seasons. And I did expect Vancouver to have a better season. And for Calgary, I I didn't think that Daryl Sutter was going to be able to turn the flames around like he has. Um, I did not see that coming and no, nobody saw all the shenanigans happening in Vancouver. Um, 
you know, not quite to the extent, you know, to that extent. So it is really interesting. I also think part of the unexpectedness is with Seattle coming in. Mm -hmm. I think so many people automatically expected Seattle to do what Vegas did their first season and just blow everybody out of the water. Um, And that hasn't happened. So I think that's mixed things up differently. And heck, I didn't even think that the Sharks were going to be where they're at right now. Um, they've Even when they've gone a little bit cold, they've stayed in the conversation. And I think that that's really interesting. And it's also nice to see coming into a season where I don't think a lot of people thought they were going to have, you know, the bits of success that they have. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, when I look at the Sharks, it's like I always said during the preseason, I was like, this team – you know, if you gave a coach, Tomas Hurdle, Logan Couture, Carlson, Brent Burns, Timo Meyer, I don't think any coach would be against that. They'd be like, okay, yeah, I can work with this. And I think it was just a matter of getting it to work cohesively. I, you know, that's the credit to Bob Bugner right now is that he has identified a lot of the problems and Doug Wilson, um, you know, identified a lot of the problems that were there last year and they've rectified them without trying to do the route they did before, which was trading away the future. Now they have rectified the present to the point where they're competitive and they'll be a bubble team all year long. I think they might do better because clearly I'm really good at being wrong. Um, <laughs> but you know, I think that they, they've done enough to make them a, a much better. I mean, listen, I was ta- joking uh, with Brody Brazil about this the other day. I was saying if they'd gone three, two on a five game road trip last year, we would have been popping bottles of champagne. And this year three and two on a road trip is, is disappointing. I mean, this, this is a stark contrast. They've been able to turn it around this much while at the same time still stockpiling for the future. I think you have to give a lot of credit to Bob Bugner with this one. And, and you and I have talked about this before. He really does have that locker room. They listen to him. They, they, they respect him. He knows how to work with them to make things better. And I think he really took stock of last of last season, even though it was, you know, a bubble season and they had all that adversity. He took that and said, nope, I don't care. We're going to keep building. We're going to look at what, what we did wrong. We're not going to do that again. And I, I just, I, I think he gets a lot of credit for that. And I think having him there because he came in and became interim coach and then, you know, the, you know, and then the season was over uh, because of COVID and having him there for a little bit longer and having him be able to establish um, that kind of locker room presence and chemistry. I think that's huge. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that the players don't, you know, add to that as well, but I think Bob gets a lot of credit. It'll be interesting to see what happens next for this team. If they can take that next step, because it's all, like we said, it's about the momentum. And this is a critical stretch where they have nine of 10 at home that they're one game into, and it's game two of a seven game homestand. I mean, what are you, what are you expecting tonight against this very good Minnesota team? I think the start of the game, it's going to look a lot like Calgary. Um, you know, the, you know the, the game against Calgary on Tuesday where Minnesota is going to come out red hot and they might even score another goal early because um, that's kind of how this Minnesota team plays and they're rolling right now, not just, not just because they have a winning streak going, but like we were saying about, you know, the Sharks need to find that forward depth, you know, and that, um, you know, be able to, you know, get scoring from all throughout their lineup. That's what, that's what Minnesota has right now. Um, so they're going to come out and they're going to impose their force on the sharks right from the drop of the puck. And I do, I mean, it wouldn't totally surprise me if the sharks were down a goal or two Mm -hmm. at the first intermission, the next time that I see you and talk to you. And (laughs) it's, that is very, very possible. Now I do think coming out of that game Tuesday, this team, the sharks team does have what it takes to get on the board early. I do think they have a way of uh, stymieing Minnesota's, 
offense. I do think that that's possible. And they, you know, historically they've been good against Cam Talbot. I know that he's playing really, really well right now, but I want to say lifetime, he's like six, eight, and three against San Jose, if I'm correct. Um, and he typically gives up about three goals a game to them. So it, I, I, it, it, this one could go either way, but I do see Minnesota jumping out to an early start in this one. Boom, Shalana, we'll leave it at that. Thank you so much, and I'll see you tonight at SAP Center. Thank you so much, Ted. All right, that's Shalana Goldman of NHL.com. You've been listening to The Buildup on the Sharks Audio Network. I'm Ted Ramey, signing off.